0: of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And it was too little, too late for the Ottawa Senators last night. They fall to 13-22-4 on the season with a 4-3 loss to Winnipeg, although they outscored them 2-0 in the third period. It was also too little, too late. When you look, Winnipeg goes up 2-0, and Ottawa scores right back away. So pesky, yes, but not ready to produce wins. We'll break down that entire game, including some sentential standouts that start in the crease. How often do you see a goalie wearing the team colors of the opposition? All that, plus Ridley Gregg is still beasting in the WHL. We've got some stick taps for him. Plus, trade season. Did Ryan Dezingle and Artem Nismov do enough to raise their trade value? And did NHL GMs look away from Mike Riley last night? Well, let's hope so. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, April 6th. Pillsy, we have a ton to get into, but we have to start. It's a, a tragic anniversary. Three years ago today, the Humboldt Broncos bus was in a crash that left 16 members of their family dead, 13 more injured. Never forget, but that is a, a sad, sad day in hockey history.
1: Yeah, definitely a sad day. I think everybody kind of remembers when they heard the news of that, especially if you we're a kid growing up playing hockey. I mean, we all did the bus rides, we all did the drives to tournaments, and some of those kids were right around the corner from being home. I think that's the that's the scary part too. Is they were it was so close to home, they were almost uh, they almost made it, and then of course tragedy happens. But I think you know. We're going to look at the silver lining of this. There's a lot of really great stories to come out of it. They had a story on one of the survivors on TSN last night talking about how he's playing sledge hockey now. Um, One of the survivors wrote a book about it. So there's a lot of inspiration to come out of something tragic, but definitely uh, condolences to the friends and family of the Humboldt Broncos.
0: Yeah, so many lives lost far, far too young. And for all the survivors, I think it does add a little soulless knowing that the hockey community and the communities in general not only in Saskatchewan but in all of Canada and beyond are all thinking and supporting the Broncos during this continued time of need so we wanted to start with just a word for the the Humboldt Broncos and uh my stick's going to be out on the balcony I know that was uh sticks out for Humboldt right after and uh, man what a what a jarring scene that was eh? where all the sticks were where they put at the scene of the crash so you know they had dreams to be in the NHL and be playing with the Ottawa Senators or the Winnipeg Jets and that was last night's matchup in the all-Canadian division we're going to get into how the all-Canadian division itself it's already set like we know who the four teams are there's no surprises although there is some intrigue around what the Calgary Flames might do at the deadline if you heard Daryl Sutter's post game the other night he doesn't think his stars are playing hard enough so that's an interesting one in the north but now even winnipeg they win last night they jumped to four points back of toronto but then toronto just wins again so the top of the division starting to shake out But let's get into how winnipeg beat up on ottawa last night this one was one nothing pretty early in the game two minutes and 10 seconds just out of that momentum goal range A eh, pills
1: yeah that was uh that was close usually the sends allow a couple of those momentum goals but i think the big reason why the senators lost this game is they got out battled quick and early and the winnipeg jets they got up to that two nothing lead pretty quick yes ryan dezingle kind of cut the deficit in half quickly but that wasn't enough to do it the ottawa senators it was like DJ Smith said the other game, that poor game against Montreal. There just wasn't that desperation, you know. They weren't they weren't battling extra hard for loose pucks. They weren't stopping the opposition from entering the offensive zone. Like, they're just all those little things that you need 110% effort. They just weren't there. And that's what got them off to a bad start. And when you're a team like the Ottawa Senators up against a team with as much depth veteran experience, firepower up front, and a a Vesna winning goaltender, you can't allow that to happen that quickly.
0: Well, they didn't test that Vesna winning goalie enough. He only had to make 20 saves on the night, and most of it was in the third period where they had nine of their 23 shots, eight in the first period, only second. And we'll get into the second period. I'll just say to finish off my thought on the first 20 minutes, it could have been two or three nothing. Forsberg making a couple of great stops against his former team the second however 22 to 6 the shots on goal and the score reflected that Winnipeg outscoring Ottawa 3 to 1 Adam Lowry's goal to make it 2-0 just over four minutes into the period a seeing eye wrist shot but you thought that Artem Zub was screening the goalie a little bit there
1: Yeah. At a first glance, you're like, oh, man, that's a simple play. Uh, Forsberg should have that one. But then when you take a look at the replay and we're a hashtag goalie friendly show. So, you know, we're going to try to give the goalie a little bit of a boost here. Zub was kind of in his line of sight there. It's still a shot you'd like to get a piece of, but when you can't see it, it's tough. So I actually thought Forsberg played a pretty good game. There are some people on Twitter kind of dunking on him, saying it's not, not a very good game for him. But there's no support. He was hung out to dry. And Dezingle even talked about it in the intermission interview. He was like, we're leaving Forsy out to dry. Like, he's got no chance here. So they needed to bounce back. And speaking of Dzingel, what a nice game for him. The reason he scored that goal is because he was aggressive on the forecheck he had the awareness to scoop up that loose puck and to know that nobody was ready for him to pull up on the other side for that wrap round. Hellebuck wasn't even looking and the puck's already in the net. So Dezingle has looked real nice lately.
0: 29 seconds after Adam Lowry made it 2-0, you mentioned it. Ryan Dezingle catching Hellebuck looking the wrong way through the wrong window as uh, Noodles was referring to it. A pretty common goalie term. You take two shuffles to get from post to post and you check your window and then turn, but he was looking on the right side and, Zingle went around the backside and put it away before Hellebuck could realize what was going on. So that was the first of two points for both Ryan Dezingle and Connor Brown. But in between, it was Pierre-Luc Dubois, power play goal. So it's hard to fault the defensive positioning too much. But Mike Riley was behind the net on the wrong side of it. And I don't think I've ever seen Dubois or any player for that matter that wide open in a one-timer position on the power play.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a classic case of puck watching. On the replay, you see all four penalty killers turned to behind the net. And what Mike Riley's doing back there, I'm not really sure. Uh, that's a guy, though, that really shouldn't be killing too many penalties. <laughs> He's not touted for his defensive game. So I think that's a, one of those scenarios where DJ Smith didn't really put him in a position to succeed there. So that's not entirely on him. I'd like to see someone else killing penalties there. But... Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one. And way too much open ice there for Pierre Luc Dubois.
0: And then take us through Kyle Connor's goal. This period, you know, it, it was uh, worse gets worse. Let's say to be nice.
1: Yeah, when it rains, it pours kind of situation. It seemed like, and the thing I have the most problem with with that Kyle Connor goal, Ross is. It was so damn easy for the Jets to get in the Ozone. Like, you might as well have just, it's a practice, and you got four pylons with Senators logos on them, and you just put them near the uh, blue line, and the Jets just waltzed right in. No, like, Ehlers didn't even have his head up. Like, he wasn't worried about getting hit. He wasn't worried about gap control, a stick in the lane, nothing. Slides it over to Shifley. Then it goes to Connor, and whether Chris Tierney knocks this one in or not, Nikolai Ehlers was wide open on the far side. So either Chris Tierney knocks it past Forsberg or it would have made it to Ehlers. And he is another guy who's been red hot, and you know he's going to bury that. So that was tough to make it 3-1 because at that point, the Jets were just absolutely dominating. And then they get a goal where, yeah, like I said, either the Sens are going to score on themselves or the Jets are going to put that away. So that really killed the momentum.
0: Oh, and Anton Forsberg looking like a fish out of water, but how can you blame him? It was redirected out front, and yeah, not much uh, that you enjoy seeing in that second period. Third period was a lot better. Score effects maybe taking a bit of a toll on the Jets. You know, you're up 4-1. You take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, but it was midway through the period, and Josh Norris had a great opportunity right before he scored as well. He came in, shimmy-shuffled a couple defenders, put a puck on net, Hellebuck makes the save, but then off the next power play, he was in his spot. We've seen that in Belleville countless times, and he did it again. One-timer side, just corrals it, and man, there's just something about it. I know Austin Matthews is kind of the gold standard, but centermen who are shoot first, there's just something special about that, and the sky's the limit for Josh Norris. Yeah, I
1: agree for sure. And going back to before Norris scored, scored that goal, like the dominance was just so clear. Like go to natural stat trick, the, the Corsi numbers here. This might have been the Sens' worst Corsi game all season. The They only had 34.4% up against the Jets, 65.6%. That's that's five on five. So even strength, they were just getting destroyed. But yeah, let's head to that power play goal. I want to highlight, surprise, surprise, the assist. It was Ryan Dezingle again. And we talked about the Sens penalty killers puck watching. Dezingle, it was hook, line, and sinker. Like he had that puck in the corner and he waited till the penalty killers drew closer and closer and closer. Then when they were just about to all surround him, he sauces it cross ice to Josh Norris. And that's one of the best shots I've ever seen. Like that's a Connor Hellebuck just getting plain old fashioned beat. Now, mind you, there was a little bit of screen in front of him as well. But even if he sees that shot, I don't think he has much of a chance of stopping.
0: The goal was Norris's ninth of the season, which pulls him into fourth on the team and tied for fourth among rookie goal scorers league-wide. More to come for Josh Norris, but then it was the Artie party, dipsy-doodling through the offensive zone and then makes an unreal vision play to find Connor Brown. What's gotten into Artem Anisimov recently?
1: I honestly think you can contribute a lot of this to the fact that DJ Smith has put Artem Anisimov and getting Dadinov on the same line. Like, I feel like those were two kind of guys that were were kind of outcasted on the ice. I'm sure they're good pals off the ice. Two older Russian players, like they probably get along great. And on the ice, they have that great chemistry. Dadinov, he never gets assists. He had an assist on that goal, the second, the second assist. So. That was just an excellent move by DJ Smith to hook those two guys up together. And that play, he was dancing in the ozone all night. Like he had a couple nice dipsy doodle deeks and got to the net. And I thought he was going to shoot for sure on that shot. And then he slides it over to Connor Brown, who, like we said, all you need to do is put him in a situation where he doesn't have to think much. It's puck on stick, puck on net, no questions asked. And that's what he did there banged it home, buried it. And the Sens are within one goal. And you could see. The life was brought back into them, like it was like the defibrillator was like just shot them right back to life because they were going guns a blazing after this one,
0: no doubt. So Artem maybe turning some heads. We're going to get into a conversation later about risers and fallers in terms of players who may be available to pry via trade from Ottawa before we finish up. Well, let's tell you about rockauto.com. RockAuto is a family business that serves auto parts to customers online, and they've been doing it for 20 years. Talk about longevity. Rockauto.com is your one-stop shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly, see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Go to rockauto.com right now, right now, and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? That way they know that we sent you reliable selection, the lowest prices. It's rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy, So the Senators make it 4 3 with just over four minutes remaining. To me, it became a little underwhelming with the goalie pulled. How could they have forced more pucks on net? They got some ozone time eventually, although the break in, that's something we'll get to later, just in general. They didn't test hellbuck at all with the goalie pulled. Yeah, the problem was they were forcing passes. Like
1: for me when you're in a 6 on 5 situation That's the least amount of ice that will be available in all situations, right? There's 11 skaters on the ice, so just naturally. And you're probably going to be in the ozone most of the time. So that is a crammed ice surface. And the Senators are trying to sauce cross ice passes through three defensemen just to hit a winger on the other half wall who's not even in a good position to shoot. Like, Just really the the forcing passes, and they were getting broken up. Pierre-Luc Dubois, or was it Scheifele? One of those guys hit the post. From center off yeah. a bad pass, like that could have been um, really embarrassing I me the Sens didn't win anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But the the thing is, they're, they're trying to do too much. When you have the goalie pulled, in my mind, the simple the better. Puck on net, and then you're going to have the odd man advantage in front of the net to get that rebound, and you just create havoc and hope for a lucky bounce. You're not trying to tap, get a tap-in backdoor. You're not trying to get a beautiful play to work. Anything and everything has to get on net, and the Senators were not in that mindset with their goalie pulled.
0: No, not even close. Hellebuck, you could have had that goalie pulled as well, and I think Winnipeg probably still would have won the game. Uh, That being said, Connor Brown, a positive from tonight's game. He was one of our Central standouts, which we'll ride into right now, and we're all good because we went to rockauto.com, our Central standouts. Connor Brown, four straight games with a goal. He's up to double digits on the season for all the talk about not being able to convert. That's a pretty good stretch there of consecutive goals.
1: Yeah. And it's like I said, he's, he's keeping it simple. He's not trying to do too much. It's just, Hey, the puck's on my stick. I'm in the slot. Let's get it on net. See what happens and
0: good things have happened from that. Yeah, certainly. Uh, We're also getting some news. Oh, we'll save that. But there is a roster news note that we'll tell you about who else stood out to you from last night's Ottawa senators.
1: Got to be Ryan Dezingle as well. Like that, uh, I talked about it, the forecheck and the awareness to get that puck for his goal and to notice that Hellbuck wasn't ready and to quickly wrap it was excellent. And then the awareness and ability, like you have to be a, a good player to have all four penalty killers watching you in the corner, being like, Oh man, we better make sure we're watching this guy when he has a low percentage of getting a good scoring opportunity. And you're leaving a guy like Josh Norris with a great shot wide open. So that's the kind of player Ryan Dezingle is. And as much as it pains me to say, Ross, I, I do think the senators are going to have to try to look to move Ryan Dezingle. He's, He's too hot right now. His trade value is too high. And I think the the contract that he's gonna get with Ottawa, I don't know how they're gonna work that out, whether it's gonna be a couple of years, one year, what the dollar amount's gonna be. I just think this is a kind of opportunity where it's a sell high moment. Ryan DeZingle's hot lately. A lot of teams could use a guy like that. Unfortunately, I think it's it's his time to hit the market and leave Ottawa once again.
0: That's something we're going to save for the final segment of today's show. The highs and lows heading into trade deadline. I teased a roster note I'm going to get to after our final note from this game. We know the shot's on goal, doubled up, 46-23. But how can Ottawa do a better job in the face-off circle? My God, you're not even starting with possession against a team you know has more skill than you. That's a recipe for failure. And don't expect Shane Pinto to come in here and snap 18 and 0 faceoffs, game in and game out. It's just not going to happen. It has to be by committee. And it's the veterans who are really struggling, like Chris Tierney, 22% last night in the circle. That's just not going to cut it.
1: Yeah, the faceoffs have been really interesting because when the Sens were on that uh, long home trip just recently, they were winning the faceoff battle every single night. But then. On the road, it's a struggle. There's about, i checked their home and road face-off win percentages. There's about a three and a half percent difference uh, split there, obviously favoring the home. So it's not as detrimental as I thought it would be, but it's certainly a concern because when you're a young, inexperienced team like the Ottawa Senators, winning face-offs can go a long way because then at least you start with the possession, especially the ozone face-off. So I think that's something they're going to have to work on. And hopefully, Shane the Bean Pinto is going to come in and help them out. Like you said, not right away, but that's a guy that along the future, he's going to be a big part of rising those percentage numbers all the way up.
0: Can't happen soon enough. He and JBD still in quarantine. Well, I believe April 10th. So they've got four days left on their quarantine before they can join your Ottawa Senators, who are in Edmonton on Wednesday and Thursday now. There's been a change there. The game from Friday moved up to Thursday. So, schedule accordingly, but Marcus Hogberg is going to be a part of that. He's been recalled from Belleville, Philip Gustafson, sent back down. Kind of a shame Gus didn't get more starts after being really solid in all three of his performances, but we already touched on how electric and solid in goal Marcus Hogberg had been in his two conditioning starts. Time to get him back, and... What better way to face the Demons than if he gets a start back in Edmonton where he was pulled earlier this season? Yeah, no kidding. And uh, we don't have to hash over the Ottawa Senators record
1: versus the Oilers this season. We all know. Yeah, we we all know. So let's just hold that there. And I think, yeah, like you said, it is too bad that Gus doesn't get a couple more chances because when you're as hot as he's been, that's – I mean, DJ Smith said it. He's trying to put the best guys in to win the games. Gustafson, you have to argue, is is that goalie for the Sens here, but you got to look at the scenario. You've got Anton Forsberg, guy picked up on waivers. You're probably looking to move him too. We're gonna get into that later, I know. Oh, and Colorado. then yeah, maybe. And then Marcus Hogberg, yeah, you got to give him a chance to get back here. So I think the Marcus Hogberg Forsberg tandem is going to be nice. Let Gustafson get a couple more games in Belleville. Then, once the trade deadline happens, we're assuming a spot's going to free up. Then you can get Gustafson back up there until Matt Murray's ready.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So, really looking forward to seeing Marcus Hogberg. By tomorrow, we might have more updates because right now, Alex Formanton sent to the taxi squad and Kopaka being called up. There's just your daily roster shuffle, but I'm a little nervous when it comes to Alex Formanton because he only played seven-plus minutes at even strength. He had a bit of time on the PK, but he wasn't getting much of a look. Is this something to be concerned about going forward? This guy had scored in last game. He's looking sharp out there, skating up and down the ice. I thought he looked great with Anisimov and Dadnov, but it seems like they took him off that line.
1: I I think it's important to remember here, he also blocked a shot on the penalty kill and it hit him on the inside of the kneecap Mm. and it was a heavy, heavy shot that hits you in a sensitive area with no padding. My best guess, Ross, is that wasn't an ice time deployment decision, but a, a health maintenance decision.
0: That's likely why you saw Nikita Zaitsev's numbers dip a little bit lower than you would. He's a warrior, though. He left the game for a while. Yeah, only played 17-23. He's usually up around 23-25 minutes, but he was back for the third period. So no worse for wear when it comes to Nikita Zaitsev. I guess with Alex Formanton. we'll get an update here in the next day or so. Full preview of the Oilers series coming on tomorrow's Locked On Senators podcast. But let's get in. To not only some trade talk, but also we have the, the answer. And it was tight from our poll at Sens Central. We'll tell you about that right after we talk about BetOnline. Because BetOnline.ag is the one place that has us covered. The one place that we trust for our online sports wagering. And I say that off the heels of hammering Gonzaga for their perfect season. Did not go so well. Well, but stick taps to Baylor, they earned that victory. They jumped out with 23 to 6 lead. It was a complete beatdown in the NCAA tournament finals, but I was in the game, or so I felt like it, because I was on Bet Online. Now, we want you to experience the thrills of BetOnline.ag. That's why, because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast, you, yes, you are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, here's how you go about getting it. You go to betonline.ag. Check easy. Then make your first deposit, and when you do, put in the promo code Locked On. Simple. Locked On, and you'll get 50% right there. So you put in $200, you will see the $200 go into the corner where it says your money in your account, but it won't say $200. It'll say $300 because you have earned 100 free play dollars just by listening to this show. So What are you going to do with that free play? Obviously, you have to bet it to win it. So, Pilsy's Parlay of the Day, again, coming in red hot.
1: Oh, yeah. Pilsy's Parlay of the Day has been hot lately. And hopefully, there's a reason it's Pilsy's Parlay of the Day, not Ross's Parlay of the Day, because I had Baylor winning it. Baylor won it. I got some green dollars. I had Ottawa reverse puck line. Ross had Ottawa puck line. The reverse puck line hits. So this, you got to follow the experts, right, Ross? You got to follow the experts. So
0: yeah, <laughs> we're going to
1: keep things rolling here. I mean, I wouldn't have challenged you that at the start of uh, Pillsy's Parlay this season. You were a lot hotter than I was. But I'm back on top now, so I'm going to gloat a little here. Let's keep the green numbers rolling. Let's go. Pillsy's Parlay of the Day. New Jersey Devils up against the Buffalo Sabres. I think you know where I'm going with this one. I haven't bet on the Devils much this season, but when they're up against the Sabres, you got to take that. So Devils, money line, minus 155. Then Tampa Bay Lightning, always got to be a part of my recipe for success. Take their money line against the Columbus Blue Jackets at minus 201. And we're going three team parlay today. Nashville Predators up against the Detroit Red Wings. Now, I wish I knew the goalies going into this because if it's Pecorine, I don't love that. But if it's UC Soros, I'm all over it. So let's assume it's going to be UC Soros. Nashville Predators' money line up against Detroit Red Wings is at minus 155. So I like those numbers. And Nashville's, they're fighting to hold on to that playoff spot. So they got something to prove now. So. In conclusion, guys, wrapping it up. New Jersey Devils money line minus 155. Tampa Bay Lightning money line minus 201. Nashville Predators money line minus 155. Put those three together in a parlay, and ten bucks will win you thirty dollars and fifty-three cents. That is Pillsy's parlay of the day.
0: Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action, and don't forget the promo code Locked On to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book expert. All right, Pelsey, the poll question coming out at Sen Central maybe our tightest yet, and we were due for that because I feel like I'm earning a notorious reputation as he who creates lopsided polls, but not this one. And maybe that's because we got a lot of fan input before we put this question to poll. If you could add one former Ottawa Senators player. In their sense prime to the current team, who would you pick and why? The final was Daniel Alfredson or Eric Carlson. Drum roll, please. The reply going to Eric Carlson at 51%, maybe the tightest ever. That is about a two vote separation. Thanks to all the four hundred and twenty-two people who had their say. Wow. Imagine adding Eric Carlson to this team.
1: Yeah, that would be incredible. And that's, that's the road I took. But yeah, when, it, when you're putting Carl up against Alfie in a fan vote for the Ottawa Senators, you know it's going to be close. So I wasn't surprised that it was close, but I didn't think it would be that close. We had a 50-50 tie coming into the final minutes here. So we had to send out the bat signal and get a couple more votes. And you guys pulled through. Still, the correct answer is Dominic Hasek, but this was fun.
0: Yeah, Dominic Hasek should have been incorporated in the final. I agree with, um, it was Matthew at Moss and Must that uh, wrote that in. That way you'd get a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. And clearly, the Tendy has been a position of volatility for the Senators this season. I'm not going to say weakness, because you look at Anton Forsberg, Philip Gustafson, even to a lesser extent, Joey Decord. They came in and did their job wonderfully. But the one-two punch needs to get going. Matt Murray's been skating. We're not sure when he's going to be back. But Marcus Hogberg has been recalled, and his next start, you got to think, is one of the games in Edmonton. But we'll know more by either tomorrow or Thursday on that front. i got one last note on the Winnipeg game, and maybe this is more so to preview with Edmonton as well. But don't look now. Your Ottawa Senators have scored a power play goal in three straight games. But what's surprising about that to me, Pilsy, is they're doing it without looking particularly good on the power play. Zone entries are still an issue.
1: A reason for that success is the usage of the second power play unit. The second power play has been looking nice lately, especially Dadnov's on there. His comrade Artem is there. So they're starting to pop. Josh Norris had a great goal. So I think it's nice that now we can comfortably use both units. Like before it was just kind of, let's give the top unit a minute and a half of the time. And then for the back half of that power play, just throw the second unit out there just for, just for sakes. Right. So I think now that you have two power play units that can click, you're going to start seeing a lot more momentum on uh, the man advantage.
0: Well, you're right, because Connor Brown had the power play goal that begun the streak. And again, it was similar situation as Josh Norris' last night, a late power play in the third period of a game they were not even in at the time. So maybe that's why it doesn't feel so much like a three-game streak, but that's two goals from the second unit. And then in between, of course, Brady opening the scoring with that jam play at the side of the net against Montreal. Looking for more of that against Edmonton because we know how dangerous their power play can be. So you want to be able to match that. But could this be the last week where we see certain Ottawa senators on this roster? Pilsy, I'll start this conversation with more of a simple general question. Who is the most likely current member of the Ottawa senators who won't be here come April 12th? I
1: think it's going to be Ryan Dezingle. And I talked about it earlier. He just has so many things that a contending team covets for depth in a long playoff run. Sure, we saw what happened with him in the playoffs with Columbus. And we, I was going to say, saw what happened with him in Carolina, but we, it was more we didn't see what happened because he was a healthy scratch oftentimes in the playoffs for Carolina last season. So he hasn't been a known playoff performer, really. So that might be a tough sell. But I think there's a lot of teams that know they can get him for a cheap price. I think there's not a lot of high prices being tossed around for the trade deadline this season. So that's a guy the centers are going to look to move. And I think they have enough forward depth and enough forward prospects that they can – they can fill in for Dzingo's loss in the future here. I, I personally, I would love to keep Ryan Dzingle, but I just don't think it makes sense. I think this is a sell high moment that you got to take
0: advantage of. Kind of interesting though, that on uh Draggers podcast, he said there's virtually no interest in him. Do you think that's surprising?
1: It's not really surprising. I think, uh, and I'll admit, we probably got the rose colored glasses on when looking at this single because we've seen what he did in his first stint in Ottawa. And he's shooting, I don't know what his percentage is now, but he was shooting at 20%. It's probably up closer to 25% clip uh, with the sends this season. So he's looking good on a team that's been struggling to score. But you also got to remember, Ross. He was acquired for Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric yeah. Paquette. And Galchenyuk, they they just told him to stay where you are because we don't want you. And oh, but so, the
0: Leafs fixed him. You didn't hear?
1: Yeah, yeah. He scored one goal, so their development is perfect. Playing uh, with
0: guys who are making a combined $20 million in salary this year. They, they had to play him there for eight games, and he gets one. And now all of a sudden, they're the best organization. If they had turned Jared Cowan into an all-star or at least given him one goal, maybe I would agree with that. But... Sorry for the aside, but that was a complete clown show article. Yeah,
1: just the Leafs are uh, the center of the universe. It's their world we're just living in it, right? But that's that's the thing. Like when you got to look at market value, and that's the market value for Zingle right now is is what he was last traded for. So I don't think the Sens are going to get much, but you you got to recoup something because. I don't know if there's a whole lot of point of keeping him. And obviously, I love the idea of trading a guy, getting an asset, and then re-signing him in the offseason. But that just that's a fairy tale kind of uh, kind of uh, request. It just doesn't happen in the real world. So I don't think that's an option either. Either, either way, I'm fine with what they do to, to Zingle, as long as they don't extend him to a long-term contract, I think. And I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, Pilsy, I wouldn't be comfortable going more than two years with Ryan Dezingle, no matter what the cost is. Even at, like, 1.5, I think you need that roster spot available for Alex Formington and for guys who are coming up in the next wave. We know there, there's already guys in Belleville. We want to see Abramov get a chance. Who knows? But he is playing well, and you're right. The shooting percentage is up to 24 right Ooh. now for Ryan Dezingle. Only Alex Formington and... Get this, Cedric Paquette have a higher shooting percentage on the season. Paquette took four shots in nine games and, and scored one. So uh, in terms of guys with five or more goals, he's dominating. Uh, he's at 24%, like I mentioned. The next highest shooting percentage is Evgeny Dadnov at 15.7. So you know that's going to regress, and I'm sure NHL GMs are well aware of that as well. But like we mentioned with Alex Galchenyuk, if he can play on the Leafs' top six, Imagine replacing Galchenyuk with Ryan DeZingle and having that on a line with Tavares and Nylander. Like, to me, he is a fit on other teams, especially in the Canadian division. I remember when it was Ryan DeZingle trade 1.0, everyone was talking about how perfect he would fit in Edmonton playing on 97's wing because, man, how can you add more speed to to McDavid's line? Why not throw Ryan DeZingle on there? So I still think there's a fit. But to answer my own question there, I'm going to go. With And this is going to sound hilarious, but it's going to be one of the big blue liners. It's going to be Coburn or Gabranson. Now, are they going to bring back anything of value? No, but teams like to load up on depth pieces. For example, I know he had been in Tampa for years, and he actually played a decent role when they went to the cup final in 2015. But last year on the run, Braden Coburn played three games, a total of 45 minutes. Cedric Paquette was a bigger part of that lightning team. But they have this aura when they win a Stanley Cup. And you can never have enough veteran defensemen if you're a hockey man, general manager. So I think that they're going to be scooped up, expiring contracts. The Sens will likely be happy to take half of the cap hit off of both of them. So they'll be able to fit under a cap at a reasonable price. And I just think, yeah, as a depth piece, maybe you get, maybe it's something where it's like, a seventh rounder, and if they play half of a team's playoff games, it goes up to a fifth. There's something like that, some sort of condition on the pick. But Ottawa has too many defensemen right now, as is, when Branstrom can't even get into the lineup on a consistent basis. Then you add JBD into the mix as well. Max Gannett, by the way, we got a pronunciation correction on Twitter, so we do appreciate that, from Pascal. So we'll, we'll switch that up. So it's Max Gannett. For him, And he's going to be pushing for a roster spot, not this year, but in the coming times. So when you move on from Gabranson and Coburn, everyone else just shifts up a little bit. Will Ole Alston get a game sometime this year? He's been practicing with the taxi squad. So I think you need to make room on the back end, most notably for Branstrom and JBD, And that's how you can do it, is getting rid of these big pylons out there.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that is what we're going to see. We're going to see Saladier retained by the Sens. A minimal guaranteed asset coming back, like you said, seventh round pick, and then some sort of condition to sweeten the deal a little. Now, before we move on, I don't want to forget, Artie Party. What do you think the market's like for (laughs) Artem Anisimov? Sure, he hasn't played a lot, but again, this is a sell-high situation. He's been on fire lately and this is a guy who has a lot of playoff experience and can fit in in a bottom nine role really nicely what do you think the market's like for a guy like Artem Anisimov now
0: oh my god it's it's just fun. I'm laughing because it's hilarious that we were having this conversation when he was on waivers just last week but he's played so well in the last couple games of course his cap hit you're gonna have to take half He's making 4.55 on the cap but again, and you mentioned his playoff experience in the past, he's been able to play with good players. Just ask Patrick Kane what he thinks about uh, playing with Artem Anisimov, but maybe a team who just, yeah, you're not going to use him every game, but when he can step into the lineup, the skill is still there. You can tell, this guy's a four-time 20-goal scorer, but the feet just aren't there. Like He doesn't have as much pace to his game as maybe he once did, but in points per game, like, when it comes to Ottawa Senators, he's right there. He's at half a point per game, and 8-16, 8-16, and 16, and maybe, maybe he's getting hot at the right time. I wouldn't hold your breath, Pelzi. I think it's more likely that Anton Forsberg is the guy who's moved. And I kind of cough, cough, saying Colorado because they, they know more than anybody that they, this is their window right now. And it's opening, and it's opening wide for the next while. But goaltending is what their Achilles heel was last season. They were on to their third-string goalie, Michael Hutchinson, should never play in a conference final game. But Fran was hurt. Grubauer was hurt. They picked up that goalie from Buffalo, Johansson. Well, he got lit up in his first start. So they still need to address that position. I don't know if Anton Forsberg's the guy. Maybe they look to Carolina for a more established, either a James Reimer or a Peter Morazic. But the sample size is growing with Anton Forsberg. And maybe that's a part of why Philip Gustafson is the guy who gets sent down. Rather than just putting Forsberg on the taxi squad, maybe losing him on waivers the fifth time. I did a radio hit uh, last night in Edmonton. Maybe it was a podcast. It was uh, Connor Haley from TSN 1260. And I called him Anton waivers by accident instead of Anton Forsberg um, as he's been all over the place, Carolina included. We just mentioned them, but maybe you get him two more starts here. And then the sample size grows because he's been excellent in the crease for the senators. Yeah, I think that's
1: exactly the thinking, right? Like like Gus, you're going to have long term. So, And you've seen he can play well. So keep that in your back pocket. But Forsberg, that's a guy you're trying to showcase. You're trying to get something of value for him because your goalies are going to be healthy enough to get you through the rest of the season with Hogberg coming back. The Hogberg-Gustafson tandem in Ottawa. Not what we thought we would see here. But hey, that's uh, that's life. And yeah, I think there is a market for Forsberg. I mean, there's lots of teams that need a third goalie. Look at St. Louis. That's a team that's struggling uh, with guys in the net. I think there's Toronto could be a guy that looks at him. So there's a lot of teams that need a guy like Anton Forsberg. And the Ottawa Senators are not one of them right now. So there is going to be a market for him, I'm sure.
0: We're going to be following this throughout the week leading up to April 12th and make sure on the day of trade deadline, Locked On is presenting a live stream. I'll be hosting it from 2 to 4 p.m. along with Sarah Avampato, sorry, Pilsey from uh, Locked On Kings, but it's going to be fun. Pillsy. if the Sens make a move, we're going to be sure to be calling you and getting your immediate reaction. So follow Locked On NHL Pods and we'll be tweeting out at Sens Central where and when You can find that stream. But Sens fans, deep breath. There's no Mark Stone trade. There's no Pajot trade. None of your favorite players are getting traded, knock on wood, in the next week or so. Pilsy, let's end the show on a very positive note. We're going back to the prairies for Gridley Greg because this guy is a complete warrior. He is finding his way deeper and deeper into my heart with each block shot, with each chirp, and with each game-winning goal. He's now got... Another one of those two of his five goals this season have been shorthanded as well. What can you say about the sequence that led to his game winner?
1: What an absolute great all round guy. And, this is the thing. Ridley Greg was a late first round pick. A lot of people said there was guys with better talent, better upside, but he just brings so much to the table that he's a guy you want to take a chance on. And I, I said it before, like I had another deja vu moment. I saw the Sens prospect uh, tweet Ridley Gregg game winning goal, shorthanded. And I was like, Oh, this is from last week. Like what did he do recently? <laughs> no, he did it again. Another shorthanded goal for a game winner. Like, that is just incredible to come up clutch while your team is down a man and to be blocking shots. Ridley, Greg, Two is, of all. he's already a first-round draft pick on a rebuilding team. He does not need to block shots in a WHL season that's only like 20 games long. Like this, he's already played well in Belleville. Like he has nothing to prove, but he's laying it out on the line. That's what you love to see from a guy like Ridley Gregg.
0: Oh, since last Christmas, he's been cruising through the WHL. He added an assist as well. He's up to 15 points in 10 games to start the season. And you have to go check out our buddy AdSense Prospects. We retweeted it as well, but the clip is beautiful. Two huge block shots. He's hobbling around later in the shift, goes down, buries, and then the defenseman whose shots he kept blocking, he starts chirping as he's going to celebrate in the pile. So he doesn't forget. He's like, that's how you get a shot through, buddy. So, unreal. Stick taps to Ridley Gregg. What a beauty. I wouldn't be surprised if he reports back to Belleville following his brand and season. That's something that we're going to be following along, but Hope you enjoyed the trade talk. Tomorrow, it'll be a full preview of back-to-back games. Schedule update, which we've seen a couple of now. Yesterday's game wasn't supposed to be there, and Thursday's game wasn't supposed to be there. Moved up from Friday, so the Senators now playing Wednesday and Thursday in Edmonton. And maybe, Pilsey, maybe this could get Tim Stutzla going. Only one goal in his last 19 games, but he dominated at Rogers place in the World Juniors, and he scored a couple goals there as well on their first trip out West.
1: Yeah, well, anytime he's up against Leon Drysdale, he wants to make it known that... Uh, that's Dominic Cahoon. Yes, and <laughs> Dominic Cahoon. Anytime he's got his his fellow Germans up against him, he wants to give a show, that's for sure. And Ross, how rare is it that the NHL schedule makers do something positive for your team? Like, that was a great, like, it, a very minor move, but it makes so much more sense to move that game back to Thursday, so it's a back-to-back in Edmonton, and then you go, uh, I think they go back to Toronto, right? So that's so much better than playing in Edmonton, having a day off, playing in Edmonton, and then having to fly to Toronto that night, and then you got a back-to-back there. So shout out the schedule makers, finally giving the Sens a little bit of a boost here.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Stick taps to them. If you can find one, we'd love to have them on the show and ask why Ottawa had 17 back-to-backs last year. I digress all good. It's another week of Sens hockey. Still 17 games remaining in this season. We're going to ask out on Twitter later today what would qualify as a successful conclusion to the season. We want to get your takes and we'll discuss them on tomorrow's show. But for now, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Breaking news, and this is why you let the podcast play until the very end. Right after we finished recording, the senators tweeting out a reassignment in the coaching department. Now, as a goalie-friendly show, we couldn't let a full day go by without breaking down. Pierre Gru has been reassigned from the goalie coach to a scouting and development role. It'll now be Zach burke as the new goaltending coach. Now you look at this and just say oh, there's a normal shuffle, you know, a uh, guy's been here for a couple of years and maybe it's best to just get a new voice. But Pierre Dorian's quote here is a little damning, saying, I'm going to get your reaction to this, Pilsy, but here's the quote. Unfortunately, a number of our goaltending performances this season have been underwhelming. I think very highly of Pierre Gru. He's as dedicated and tireless a worker as anyone in the organization, but we recently reached a point where we thought a fresh outlook could help return some stability to our crease.
1: That's tough to read if you're Pierre Gru, but like, can you really argue that? The senators are 30th out of 31st in the league in save percentage. The two goalies that he'd been working with closest were Hogberg and Murray. And we saw the start of the season they had. And the goalies that were down in Belleville that he wasn't working with as much, and Anton Forsberg, who came in, are the ones that had a lot of success. Now, I'm not trying to say that's a direct correlation. Those are just the facts. And I think when you've got new young goalies coming in like this, I think it's a great idea to try to switch things up because now you're going to have um, Gustafson, Decord, Hogberg, Mandalise, there's so many guys that are new younger goalies that I think it's time to get a fresh new voice in and it's and it's not like Pierre Gru was fired like they still appreciate and respect his opinion and what he's done for this team they're keeping him around in a scouting and developmental role which I think is good and you know what the senators needed to change something here for sure because they're one of the teams that focuses the least on goaltending I would say like heck, the Florida Panthers have an entire like team devoted to goaltending. I think there's like six guys that just work on the goaltending. Roberto Luongo, one of them. So I think this is a nice move to switch things up. Uh, Zach Burke, he worked with Arizona. He also won goalie of the year in the OHL when he was a goalie <laughs> way back when. So that's a nice little uh, feather in his cap. But I think this is a good move to refresh things
0: here. How much is this Dorian deflecting though? Because If goalie coaches had that much influence on the performance of goalies, they'd be the highest paid coaches in the league because goaltending is the most important position. Matt Murray was Matt Murray last year as well. And Pierre Dorian gave him $25 million. So to me, he's deflecting responsibility of what should be him looking in the mirror and saying, did I bet on the wrong horse?
1: Yeah, and and that's fair. But then you're looking at at uh, at that point, then you say, all right, maybe I made a mistake. And now you got to look at it and say, this wasn't working out, whether you're talking about Murray or who is coaching Murray. And something needs to change. And yeah, I really think this is more uh, tipping towards the fact that there's all these brand new goalies. I didn't even mention Sogard, Maryland. Like there's guys that are coming up the pipeline that are going to need good, new, fresh coaching. And I think this was just something done to to force change because it hadn't been working. Whose fault it is, I don't think really is the concern here. It's just the numbers are what they are and something needed to change. And that's what happened today.
0: Well, so you're saying if Ottawa's power play hadn't scored in three straight games, like is that assistant coach on the chopping block as well? Because you can make an argument that as bad as the goaltending position's been, it's easier to coach up a power play than a goaltender. Yeah,
1: definitely. And... Maybe we will see some changes there. I'm, I'm just saying it, see, it seems like this is a move being done for the future, not something that's being done right now.
0: All right. Welcome to the organization, Zach Burke. A little bonus, Locked On Senators. Don't ever... Discredit us as a goalie-friendly show. You know that when there's up-to-the-minute goaltending news, we are your one-stop shop. So thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Full preview of Edmonton and Ottawa for Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. This is the extended edition of Locked On Senators.